0: أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا أمّا بعد بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد Alhamdulillah, الدين Lord of يَحِدُنُ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ الَّذِينَ عَلَيْهِمْ
1: After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awz, and Surah Al Fatiha, Hazrat Khaliflamasi V stated, People with knowledge, especially those who were well versed in the Holy Quran, were greatly esteemed in the presence of Hazrat Umar, whether they were youths, children, or adults. There is a narration in Bukhari where Hazrat ibn Abbas relates, Wa'ina bin Hissn bin Hudayfa came to Medina and stayed with his nephew Hur bin Qais, who was among those individuals whom Hazrat Umar anhu would sit close to him. The reciters of the Qur'an also used to sit near to Hazrat Umar during his gatherings and they would also give various suggestions to him that is, in relation to the Holy Qur'an, whether they were old or young. oyaina said to his nephew, O oh my nephew, you are honourable in the eyes of this chief, therefore seek permission for me to meet him. Hur bin Qais said, I will seek permission for you to see him. Hazrat Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu says, Hence, Hur sought permission for Oyena, and Hazrat Umar radiAllahu anhu granted him permission. When Oyena approached him, he said, "O son of Khattab, what is the matter here? By God, you neither give us an abundance of wealth, nor do you make a fair decision with regards to the wealth between us." Hearing this, Hazrat Umar became angry. So much so that he was just about to say something to him when Hur said to Hazrat Umar عنه, O Leader of the Faithful, Allah the Almighty has said to His Messenger Khudil afwa wa'amur bil'urf wa'arid anil jahilin,' Meaning, do thou ever forbear O Prophet and enjoin kindness and turn away from the ignorant. This oyaina is also from among the ignorant. By Allah, when Hur recited this verse before him, Hazrat Umar immediately stopped and did not say anything. Hazrat Umar radiAllahu anhu, would refrain from doing anything after hearing the Book of Allah. Hazrat Khaliq al-Masih I radiallahu anhu narrates an incident in relation to the court of Hazrat Umar in the following manner. He says, A chief came to the gathering of Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu and he was appalled seeing a ten-year-old child sitting there and thought, what do boys have to do in such an esteemed gathering? Coincidentally, Hazrat Umar became upset owing to something that chief did. He called for a i.e. a person who was assigned to flog others with a whip. But that very same boy exclaimed, al الْغَيْذِ and said, وَأَعْرِذْ anil الْجَاهِلِينَ and then said, He is also from among the ignorant. The colour of Hazrat Umar's face changed and he remained silent. At that time, his brother, i.e. the brother of the person who is narrating, said, You see, that very same boy whom you considered inferior has saved you. There is a narration with regards to how Hazrat Umar would ensure for the moral upbringing of children. Yusuf bin Yaqub says, Ibn Shahab said to me, my brother and my cousin, when we were still young children, you should not consider yourself inferior based on the fact that you are children. The reason for this is that whenever Hazrat Umar encountered a certain issue, he would gather the children and seek their suggestions as well. And he did this with the aim of sharpening their minds. During the Battle of Uhud, when the situation changed, and the Muslims suffered great losses. At that time, Abu Sufyan called out three times. This incident is in relation to Hazrat Umar's sense of honour. He said, Is Muhammad among you? The Holy Prophet instructed the companions not to reply. Abu Sufyan then called out three times and asked, Is the son of Abu Kahafa among you? He then asked three times, Is Ibn al-Khattab among you? Thereafter, he returned to his men and stated, All of these people have been slain. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Umar was unable to restrain himself and stated, O enemy of Allah, By God, you have spoken a lie. Those whom you have named are all alive, and there is a great share for you of the misfortune that is destined for you. Abu Sufyan replied, Consider this day to be a recompense for Badr, and battle is like a pail, at times it rises and at times it falls. Then, in relation to how particular Hazrat Umar was about safeguarding the wealth of the treasury, there is a narration of Zaid bin Aslam who says, Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab drank milk which he enjoyed. Someone gave him a glass of milk, so he drank it and enjoyed it. He asked the person who handed him the milk, Where is this from? He replied by saying that he went to a spring and mentioned the name of the spring where people were giving water to the zakat camels. They milked the camels and brought some for him and he put it in the water bowl Hazrat Umar <inaudible> put his hand in his mouth and vomited the milk out, saying that it belonged to Zakat and that he would not drink it. Bara bin Marur's Sun narrates, Hazrat Umar once came out of his home, then stood at the pulpit. At the time, he was unwell and was prescribed honey for his illness. There was a pot of honey in the treasury. Hazrat Umar said to the people, If you permit me, I shall take this, otherwise it is not permissible for me. The people permitted him to do so. In relation to the extent of his concern for protecting the wealth in the treasury, there is an incident which has been mentioned previously and I shall present it briefly here. One afternoon during the scorching heat, Hazrat Umar was leading the camels to the grazing grounds that had been left behind in order to prevent them from getting lost. When Hazrat Usman radiallahu anhu happened to witness this, he said, Anyone else can do this job. Come and sit in the shade. Hazrat Umar replied, You all sit in the shade. This is my job, so I shall do it myself. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu anhu has described this incident in the following way. In accordance with the promise of Allah the Almighty, the Muslims were granted riches, wealth, honor and status. Yet they did not become neglectful of Islam. Hazrat Radhiyallahu Anhu is explaining that even if one has a lot of wealth, they must not become neglectful of their faith, the teachings of Islam and their duties. He then states, Hazrat Usman anhu relates, I was once seated in my quarters and the heat was so severe that it was difficult to even muster the strength to open the door. In the meantime, one of my assistants told me that there was a man walking outside in the scorching heat. A few moments later, that man arrived closer to my quarters and I realized that it was Hazrat Umar. Upon seeing him, I became concerned and went outside and asked, Where are you going at this time in this intense heat? Hazrat Umar said, a camel from the treasury has been lost, and I am out searching for it. Hazrat Anhu <laughs> then writes, Allah the Almighty writes, They shall be sat on thrones, yet their duty will be to constantly remain watchful. The bounties and comforts of this world shall not make them idle. They shall not be heedless seated on the couches. Rather, they shall at all times be alert and attentive. They shall tend to the rights of the people and shall continue to fulfill their official duties in an excellent manner. There is a narration with regards to equality. Saeed bin Musayyib relates that a Jew and a Muslim came to Hazrat Umar with their dispute. Hazrat Umar thought that the Jew was in the right and passed the verdict in his favour. The Jew then said, By God, you have made the correct decision. Hazrat Anas narrates that a person from Egypt came to Hazrat Umar and said, O leader of the faithful, I seek refuge with you from injustice. Hazrat Umar then said, You have come to the right place for refuge. The man said, I had a race with the son of Amr bin Alas, in which I overtook him. Upon this, he lashed me, saying, I am the son of an esteemed person. How dare you overtake me? Upon hearing this, Hazrat Umar wrote a letter to Hazrat Amr bin Alas and summoned him along with his son. When Hazrat Amr bin Alas arrived, Hazrat Umar asked for the Egyptian man and told him to take the whip and lash him. Thus, the Egyptian man began lashing Hazrat Amr bin Alas' son, while Hazrat Umar was saying, Strike the son of the esteemed person. Hazrat Anas relates that they were pleased to see that he was hitting him, but he continued hitting him so much that they wished he would stop. Then Hazrat Umar radiallahu anh, told the Egyptian man to strike Amr bin Alas on the head. The Egyptian man then said, O leader of the faithful, his son hit me and I have taken retribution. Upon this, Hazrat Umar said to Hazrat Amr bin Alas, Since when have you started to enslave the people, whereas they were born free? Hazrat Amr bin Alas said, O leader of the faithful, I had no knowledge of this incident, nor did this Egyptian man come to me. Once Hazrat Umar came in the possession of some wealth and he began distributing it among the people. People were crowded around and Hazrat Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas began cutting in front of the people moving forward and reached Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Umar struck him with his whip and said, You did not fear Allah's authority on earth and you cleaved through the crowd of the people to reach the front. Thus, I thought I should inform you that Allah's authority does not fear you either. There is a narration regarding the high degree of Hazrat Umar's forbearance. Once, Hazrat Umar was delivering a sermon and said, O people, if anyone from among you finds any fault in me, he should rectify it. A man stood up and said, If we find any crookedness in you, we will rectify it with our swords. Hazrat Umar then said, I am thankful to Allah that he has created such a man in this nation who would rectify Umar's crookedness with his sword. As he was delivering his sermon, Hazrat Umar said, "Enjoin me to do good and stop me from evil and help me by advising me. On another occasion, Hazrat Umar said, The person I like the most is he who points out my shortcomings. There is a saying of Hazrat Umar which is, I am afraid of committing a mistake and not being shown the error of my way because people fear me. One day, a person came to him and began saying in front of a crowd, O Umar, fear Allah. Upon hearing this, some people became very angry and wished to silence him. Hazrat Umar said to him, There is no good in you if you do not explain the fault you see and there is no good in us if we do not listen to it. Hazrat Umar explained to him that he should not make a general statement, rather he should be specific. One day, Hazrat Umar stood to give a sermon to the people. He had only just said, O people, listen and obey. When a man cut him off and said, O Umar, we will not listen, nor will we obey. Hazrat Umar politely asked him, O servant of Allah, Why is this so? He replied, because people were only able to make a shirt from the fabric that was distributed to everyone from the treasury and were unable to make a full suit. You must also have received the same amount of fabric. How then do you have a full suit? Hazrat Umar told the man to stay where he was and summoned his son Abdullah. Abdullah said that he had given his share of fabric to his father so that his suit may be complete. People were satisfied upon hearing this, and that man said, O leader of the faithful, now I will listen and obey. There used to be ignorant people like this, but one would never hear such words uttered by the eminent companions who had been trained by the Holy Prophet ﷺ. People like this were those who became Muslim later on, or were impolite, uneducated, and ignorant. The preeminent companions never acted in this way; rather, they always showed complete obedience. How did Hazrat Umar implement the religious freedom afforded by Islam? After the conquest of Alexandria, its ruler sent a message to Hazrat Umar bin Alas saying, "Among the other Arab nations, I used to pay." tax to more contemptible nations than you, i.e. the Persians and the Byzantines. If you wish, then I am prepared to pay you a tax as well, on the condition that you free the prisoners of war from my area. Hazrat Amr bin Alas wrote a letter addressed to the Caliph explaining the situation. Hazrat Umar replied, Suggest to the ruler of Alexandria that he should pay the tax, but the prisoners of war who are in your i.e. the Muslims' custody, should be given the choice of either accepting Islam or to remain on the faith of their people. Those who become Muslim will join the Muslims and will have the same rights and responsibilities as other Muslims. However, those who remain on their faith, they will be subject to the same tax as others of their faith. Hence, Umar bin al gathered all the prisoners and read to them the instructions received from the Caliph. Many of the prisoners became Muslim. There is an incident which illustrates how careful Hazrat Umar was when it came to religious freedom. Once, an elderly Christian lady went to Hazrat Umar anhu due to some need of hers. Azad advised her, become a Muslim and you will be safe. Allah sent Muhammad with the truth. She replied, I am an old woman and death is drawing near. He fulfilled her need. However, he feared that what he did would be likened to taking advantage of her need and forcing her to become Muslim. Thus, he sought repentance from Allah the Almighty for this and said, O oh Allah, I only showed her the right path. I did not force her. Thus, he was very careful in this regard. Then there is another incident. Hazrat Umar had a Christian slave, whose name was Ashik. He says, I was Hazrat Umar's slave. He said to me, become Muslim, so that I may seek your help in certain matters pertaining to the Muslims. as it is not appropriate for me to seek help from non-Muslims in matters that pertain to Muslims." The slave then says, However, I refused. Hazrat Umar then said, La ikraha fiddin," i.e. there is no compulsion in the religion of Islam. When Hazrat Umar was about to pass away, he freed me and said, Go wherever you please. There is an incident regarding how Hazrat Umar showed compassion and kindness to animals. Ahnaf bin Qais narrates, We came as a delegation and gave Hazrat Umar good news of a great victory. Hazrat Umar asked where we were staying, to which I replied that we were staying at such and such place. Hazrat Umar started walking with me. We reached the place where the camels for our transportation were tied. After examining every single camel, Hazrat Umar said, You have no fear of Allah with regards to your mounts. Do you not know that they have a right over you? Why did you not leave them free so they could graze freely on the grass? Hazrat Umar once saw a camel which was greatly fatigued and showed signs of illness. Salim bin Abdullah narrates that Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab placed his hand on the camel's back next to an injury mark and said to himself, I fear lest Allah the Almighty questions me regarding you. Aslam narrates that on one occasion, Hazrat Umar said, I feel like eating fresh fish. Yarfa, the name of one of Hazrat Umar's slaves, took his mount and rode four miles in both directions and brought a good quality fish. He then turned to the mount and washed it. In the meantime, Hazrat Umar came and said to come with him. He saw the mount and then said, You forgot to wipe the sweat underneath the ears. You put an animal through pain in order to fulfil Umar's desire. By Allah, Umar will not even taste this fish. One afternoon, a delegation came from Iraq to see Hazrat Umar in the summer months. Ahnaf bin Qais was also present in this delegation. Hazrat Umar was wearing a turban and was applying pitch etc. on the camels for zakat. Hazrat Umar stated, O Ahnaf, take off your clothes and come and assist the leader of the faithful with this camel. It is a camel for zakat. Orphans, widows and the poor have a right over it. With regards to a reply given by Hazrat Umar to a Jew, there is a narration by Tariq. He narrated from Hazrat Umar bin Khattab. A Jewish man came to Hazrat Umar and said, O leader of the faithful, there is a verse in your book which you recite. If it was revealed to us, i.e. revealed to the Jews, we would declare that day as a day of celebration. Hazrat Umar asked, which verse was it? The man replied, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ raditu وَرَدِيتُ لَكُمْ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينًا Meaning, this day have I perfected your religion for you and completed my favour upon you and have chosen for you Islam as religion. Hazrat Umar replied, I can recall that day and the place where this verse was revealed to the Holy Prophet It was a Friday and the Holy Prophet وسلم, was standing in Arafat. Hazrat Muslim Maud عنه, states, A Jew once said to Hazrat Umar عنه, There is a verse in the Quran, if it was revealed in our scripture, we would decree that day as a day of celebration. Hazrat Umar asked which verse it was. He replied, Al-Yawma Lakum dinakum.' Hazrat Umar replied, that day was a double celebration for us, i.e. the day the verse was revealed it was a Friday and also the day of Arafah. Some esteemed personalities have written about Hazrat Umar Ash'as narrates, I heard Imam Sha'vi say, when there is a difference of opinion amongst the people over a matter, check what Hazrat Umar decided about that matter, because Hazrat Umar never took a step without seeking counsel. Imam Shabi says, I heard Hazrat Kabisa bin Jabir say, I remained with Hazrat Umar bin Khattab. I have not seen a person who read the Book of Allah more or who understood faith or one who taught and lectured better than him. Hazrat Hassan Basri states, When you wish to illuminate your gatherings, and remember the life of Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu abundantly. Mujahid narrates, We would say to one another that in the time of Hazrat Umar, undoubtedly, Satans were bound in chains, as it were. When he was martyred, Satans began roaming around the land freely. With regards to Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu, it is written that he had a fondness for poetry. Although he did not compose any himself, he enjoyed listening to poetry. Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhu narrates, Once I set off with Hazrat Umar on a journey. One evening we were walking. When I went near to him, he hit the front of his pack saddle with his whip and recited the following couplet. Kadabtum wa baytillahi yuqtalu ahmadu wallamma nuta'in dunahu wa nunadilu wa nuslimuhu hatta nusarra'a hawlahu wa nudhhala an abnainaa wa halailu you lie, I swear, by the house of Allah, by the Kaaba, Prophet Muhammad cannot be martyred as long as we stand guard and show the might of our spears and swords. We will not leave his side until we are martyred fighting in his presence and forget all about our sons, our wives, and families. No camel ever placed on its back a person greater in piety, and one who fulfills their promise more than Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Doctor Ali Muhammad Salabi, who is a historian, has written a book, Umar bin Al-Khattab: His Life and Times, in which he writes about Hazrat Umar's love for poetry. Amongst the Khulafa Rashidun, the one who gave an example by means of a couplet the most was Hazrat Umar. About him, some people have even written that there was hardly a decision he made and he did not recite a couplet regarding it. It is written that Hazrat Umar once wore a new attire and went outside. People began to look at him closely. Upon this, Hazrat Umar gave them an example by way of the following couplet. Lam Togni an Hurmuzin Yoman Khazainu, Wal Khulda Kadhawalet Adun Fama Khaladu, Ain al Malukulletti, Kanat Nwafiloha, Menkulli Obin Eleha Rakibun Yafidu. Meaning, even the treasures of Hormiz did not save him from death, and the people of Ad tried to live forever. Where are those kings whose springs and waterholes would quench the thirst of the caravans coming from far and wide? Ali Muhammad Salabi further writes, Hazrat Umar only liked those couplets which highlighted the beauty of the Islamic teachings, those that would capture the essence of Islam, and those whose meanings were not against the teachings or values of Islam. Hazat Umar would encourage the Muslims to memorize and learn exquisite couplets and would say that they contain gems which people search for. Furthermore, it grants wisdom to the wise and guides people to adopt a noble character. This is not all Hazat Umar would say regarding poetry. Rather, he would say that it is the key to unlock the heart and a way to promote positive emotions in a person. Regarding the excellence and benefits of poetry, He would say that the best pastime of a person is for them to compose a few verses which they can use when needed. Through it, they can charm a noble and generous person and even attract the heart of a wretched one. He also had a passion to memorize poems from poets of the ancient times i.e. the poets of the Jahiliyyah era because it had a deep connection with understanding and comprehending the Book of Allah. He would say, memorize your divan, and you will save yourself from going astray. The people asked, what is our divan?" Hazrat Umar said, poems from the Jahiliyyah period. They contain the commentary and meanings of your book, i.e. the Holy Quran, and your words. This saying of Hazrat Umar is affirmed from the saying of his student and commentator of the Holy Qur'an, Abdullah bin Abbas, in which he says, If you read the Qur'an and are unable to understand it, then search for its meaning among Arabic couplets, because poetry is the diwan of the Arabs. Whilst mentioning Hazrat Umar's fondness of poetry, the famous biographer of the subcontinent, Allama Shibli Nomani writes in his book Al-Farouq Although Hazrat Umar is not famous for being associated with poetry, and it is true that he would rarely compose poems, however, he had such an exquisite taste in poetry that this aspect cannot be left out of his biography. He had memorised countless couplets of famous Arab poet and held his own opinion about the works of other poets. Scholars of literature accept that in his time, there was nobody who recite poetry more than him. Jahiz writes in his book, Al-Bayan wa that in his time, Hazrat Umar had the most knowledge and understanding of poetry. Hazrat Umar's love for poetry was such that if he heard a good couplet, he would enjoy it and keep on reciting it again and again. Although, owing to his responsibilities as the Caliph, he did not have the time to delve deeply in this pastime. But because of his innate love for poetry, he had memorized hundreds and thousands of couplets. The scholars of literature say that his memory for recalling poetry was such that whenever he gave a verdict on a matter, he would always recite a couplet. He would only like those couplets which exhibited traits of self-control, freedom, nobility, honour or teaching a lesson. For this reason, he issued a mandate to the commanders of the army and governors of provinces to urge people to memorise poetry. To Hazard Abu Musa Ashri, he wrote, urge the people to memorize couplets because they personify lofty morals, show the correct opinions and guide to the path of justice. The wording of the command he sent to all the provinces is as follows, teach your children swimming, horse riding, as well as proverbs and good poetry, are you to instill with them the passion for learning. It is worth noting, that Hazrat Umar eradicated many wrongful customs associated with poetry. At the time, it was a custom in all of Arabia that poets would mention noble women by name in their poems and openly express their love for them. Hazrat Umar eradicated this custom and ordered a severe punishment for those guilty of this offence. Similarly, he declared lampooning in verse to be a crime and imprisoned Hawteya, who was famous for this. Alama Shibli Nomani further writes, In those days, the most renowned poet was Mutammam bin Namira, whose brother was accidentally killed by Hazrat Khalid during the caliphate of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. This incident affected him so deeply that he would often cry and recite elegies about him. When he went to see Hazrat Umar he requested permission to recite an elegy and recited a few couplets. Hazrat Umar said, If I was able to recite an elegy, I would recite it for my brother Zaid. He said, O oh, leader of the faithful, if my brother was killed in the manner your brother was killed, i.e. if he was martyred, I would never lament over his death. Hazrat Umar would always recall that nobody was able to offer their condolences to him in the manner Mutammam did. With regards to Hazrat Umar's virtues and attributes, the Promised Messiah says, Some prophecies are such that are manifested only once, and they exhibit their majesty gradually, or they are fulfilled in the person of someone else. Such is the case with the prophecy of our Holy Prophet in which he said that he was bestowed with the keys of the treasures belonging to the Caesar and the Khosros. But it is evident that the Holy Prophet passed away before this prophecy was fulfilled. He neither saw the treasures of the Khosros or Caesar nor the keys to them. However, since it was decreed, those keys were granted to Hazrat Umar because Hazrat Umar anhu, in essence was a spiritual manifestation of the Holy Prophet That is why in the spiritual realm, the hand of Umar has been declared to be the hand of the Holy Prophet The Promised Messiah further states, It is vital to believe that Siddique Akbar Hazrat farooq Umar and Hazrat Zunnurain." i.e., Hazrat Usman anhu, and Hazrat Ali Murtaza were all the custodians of the faith. For Islam, Abu Bakr was the second coming of Adam. Similarly, if Hazrat Umar Farooq and Hazrat Usman did not show sincerity in the trust bestowed upon them, then it would be impossible for us to consider even one verse of the Quran to be from Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah then states, I have been granted in-depth knowledge from my Lord regarding Khilafat. And just like any scholar, I have also been able to delve into the depths of the matter. And my Lord has revealed to me that Siddiq, Farooq and Uthman, may Allah be pleased with them all, were pious believers, who were among the chosen ones of Allah the Almighty and were favoured with the special bounties of the gracious God. Furthermore, Many of the wise have borne witness to their virtues. They left their lands for the pleasure of the Honourable and Glorious God. They entered the furnace of every battle, and they cared not for the scorching midday heat of every summer, nor the cold of the night of every winter. Rather, they marched forward upon the paths of their faith like youthful men, inclining neither to their own people nor to others, and they bade farewell to everything, all for the sake of the Lord of all the worlds. Their actions were imbued with a sweet fragrance, and their deeds with an aroma. All of this points to the gardens of their rank and the orchards of their good deeds. Likewise, the aromatic breezes of their zephyr reveals their intricate qualities, and their light becomes manifest to us with all its radiance. Thus, you ought to ascertain their illustrious rank from the aroma of their fragrance, and do not show haste and follow those who think ill, and do not rely on just certain narrations because they are filled with poison and exaggerations and they cannot be trusted. Many of those narrations are like a powerful and destructive wind and like the lightning which deceives one into thinking there is going to be rain. Thus fear Allah and do not follow such narrations. The Promised Islam then states, By God, Allah the Almighty enabled the Shaykhain i.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar, and also Dhun Nurayn, to be like the doors to Islam, and they were at the forefront of every army of the Holy Prophet, who is the best of creation. Thus, one who denies their lofty honour and discredits the clear and irrefutable arguments in their favour, and does not show respect to them, but rather dishonours them, and vilifies and speaks ill of them, then I fear that he may meet a terrible end and will become completely devoid of faith. And those who caused them grief and cursed them and leveled allegations against them, consequently their hearts became hardened and they incurred the wrath of the glorious God. I have countlessly observed and have openly expressed this as well, that to hold malice and enmity against these noblemen is one of the main factors that severs man's bond with God, who is the bestower of blessings. Whoever bears enmity against them becomes completely deprived of mercy and benevolence, and the doors of divine cognizance and wisdom are never opened for them, and they are left to partake in the desires and pleasures of the world, and they are thrown into the abyss of carnal desires, and he casts them away from his divine threshold, and they remain deprived. They, i.e. the rightly guided caliphs, also face hardships just like the prophets, and curses were hurled at them, just as they were hurled towards the messengers. This shows that they were the heirs to the prophets, and their reward on the day of judgment will be the same as the leaders of nations and countries. This is because when a believer is unjustly cursed and labelled a disbeliever, and is unduly mocked and ridiculed, he becomes like the prophets, and akin to the chosen people of Allah. Then such an individual is recompensed just as the Prophets are recompensed, and they are rewarded just like the Messengers. These people attained a lofty status through their servitude to the best of all Prophets, and Allah the Almighty and Exalted praised them. He made them an esteemed group of people, and through His own Spirit Allah helped them just as He helps all of His chosen people. In reality, the light of their truth and the effects of their piety were brilliantly apparent, and it became clear that they were truthful and that Allah was pleased with them and they were pleased with Him. And He granted them that which had never been granted to anyone in the heavens and the earth. Then, whilst refuting an aspect of Shia beliefs, the Promised Messiah says, Those Shias who believe that Abu Bakr Siddiq and Umar Farooq usurped the rights of Ali Murtaza and Fatima Zahra and were cruel to them, have abandoned justice, adopted cruelty and followed the path of the transgressors. Surely these people were such that abandoned their beloved homeland, friends and wealth for the sake of their profit, and they endured hardships at the hands of the disbelievers, and were expelled from their homes by mischief-mongers, but they remained patient like good and virtuous people. Then they were later made caliphs, but they did not fill their homes with riches, nor were their sons and daughters heirs to gold and silver. Instead, they gave whatever they received to the treasury. They did not make their sons their successors, just as worldly and misguided people do they lived this life in poverty and destitution rather than being inclined towards worldly comforts like other leaders? Can it be even considered that such people would be capable of stealing the wealth of others or were inclined towards usurping rights, looting or destruction? Was this the impact of having remained in the blessed company of the chief of this world, the Holy Prophet Wasallam? On the contrary, Allah the Almighty, the Lord of all the worlds, has praised them. The reality is that Allah purified their souls and cleansed their hearts. He enlightened their beings and made them an example for future pious people. We cannot find any weakness or superficial thought which would lead to any indication of deviation in their intentions or point towards any sort of evil in them unless someone is intent on attributing injustice and cruelty to them. By God, they were just people. Even if they were given a valley full of unlawful wealth, they would not so much as spit on it, nor would they turn towards it like greedy people, no matter if the gold was as high as mountains or enough to fill the earth seven times over. If they came across lawful wealth, they would surely spend it in the way of the all-powerful God and religious endeavours. Thus, how can we even fathom that they would upset Fatima al-Zahra over a few trees and cause harm to the dear child of the Holy Prophet like the mischievous ones? Rather, they were noble and righteous in their intentions and were firmly established upon the truth, and Allah showered his mercy upon them, and Allah knows the righteous full well. The Promised Versailles for the states, The truth is that both Abu Bakr Siddiq and Umar Farooq were both from among the eminent companions. They both never showed any weakness in fulfilling the rights they owed. Righteousness was their way of life and to establish justice was their objective. They would carefully ponder over the matters and delve deep into its intricacies. Fulfilling worldly desires was never their objective. They devoted themselves in obedience to Allah. I have never seen anyone partake of such immense blessings and support the religion of the Holy Prophet than the Shaykhain, i.e Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with them both. In their subservience to the spiritual sun for the whole of mankind, i.e Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, they were even more swift than the moon. They were wholly devoted in their love for him, and in order to establish the truth, they happily endured every hardship. For the sake of the Holy Prophet like whom there is no other, They willingly and gladly endured every humiliation. At the time of the battle against the army of disbelievers, they stood courageously like lions to the point that Islam triumphed and the enemy ranks suffered defeat. Shirk was abolished and totally eradicated and the spiritual sun of the nation and faith began to illuminate forth. They both rendered such exemplary service to their faith and afforded the Muslims with such excellence and favors that their final resting place was in the company of the most excellent of prophets. This was owing to the grace of Allah the Almighty, from whom no righteous person is hidden, and indeed all grace belongs to Allah, and He grants it to whosoever He pleases. One who develops a bond with God Almighty with utmost devotion is never made to face ruin, even if the entire world were to oppose Him. Those who seek to establish a bond with Allah never experience hardship or loss, and Allah does not abandon His truthful servants. Allah is the greatest. How great was the sincerity and devotion of these two men, i.e. Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar. Both were buried in such a blessed grave that if Moses and Jesus were alive today, they would express their earnest desire to be buried there. However, such a rank is never bestowed owing to one's heartfelt longing or desire. Rather, this is an eternal mercy bestowed from the Lord of Honour. And this mercy is only granted to those who are granted His divine favours from the very beginning. These are the people who at the very end are taken into the cloth of divine grace. The Promised Islam then states, Whatever became of Islam after the Holy Prophet was due to the three companions. Whatever Hazrat Umar accomplished, which was a great deal, it cannot overshadow what siddiq akbar accomplished. For it was siddiq akbar who laid the path to success and who dispelled a great dissension. The trials that Hazrat Abu Bakr had to face in his time were never faced by Hazrat Umar. Hence, Siddiq cleared the path upon which Hazrat Umar then opened the doors to further success. Hazrat Maulvi Abdul Karim Sahib anhu, then writes in one place in relation to the state of the Promised Messiah's heart and his love and respect for the Holy Prophet and the two companions, Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar anhumah. Once a person who loved the Promised Messiah Al-Islam, dearly said to him, Why can we not deem you to have a higher station? than the two companions, i.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar, and to be the closest to the Holy Prophet By God, when the Promised Messiah heard this, his complexion changed and he became completely restless and distressed. I swear by Allah the Holy and Honourable that this incident further strengthened my faith in the Promised Messiah He spoke for six hours continuously and delivered an emphatic address. I checked the time when he began delivering the address, and at the time that he ended it. And it lasted exactly six hours, not a minute less. To speak on a subject for so long, and to do so continuously, is nothing short of remarkable. During this address, he spoke about the exemplary qualities and excellences of the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, about his servitude and being a humble servant to him and also about the excellences of Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar anhuma. The Promised Messiah then said, It prides me to even praise these people and to be considered equal to the dust beneath their feet. The superiority granted to them in certain aspects by God Almighty cannot be attained by anyone else until the Day of Judgment. When can another Muhammad be born in this world, and when can such an opportunity arise again to serve him as was granted to Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar. The accounts in the life of Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu, have come to an end, that is with regards to the Friday sermons. God willing, and if Allah permits me, I shall begin the mention of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, in the future, which sermons.
0: Alhamdulillah, لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكله ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا وَمَنْ يُضِلْنَهُ فَلَا هَذِيَ لَا وَنَشَادُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا هِيَ لِلَّهِ وَنَشَادُنَّ مُحَمَّدًا الْمَبْذُورَ الصُّولُوَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْأَدْlِ وَالْإِسْlَانِ we take the world to the heart of the
1: world. We